Good morning, church. How are we? Great. Good to see you. Happy Thanksgiving to you. And uh, Stacy, I went ahead and opened that registration until noon. So, ladies, it is open for you until noon tomorrow. What a great opportunity, especially if you're looking to build more relationships. These are the kind of things that open those doors and uh, really helps you connect with others. Let me invite you to open your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 2. There are many times uh, we cross paths with Scripture where it is clearly evident how, how different the culture was back then compared to our culture today. And when we come to those moments, it can be quite challenging to ponder, like, how does this relate to us? What, pa- what takeaways do those passages have for us. This week I found myself in one of those passages, our text this morning. So today I just want to jump right in and go before the Lord and ask for his mercies because we certainly need help this morning. And so let's look at God's word together now. First Peter 2 starting in verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called... Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Let's pray. Father, this morning we thank you for your faithfulness to us. Truly, Lord, if, if we were to be able to see fully our lives from your perspective and, and get a picture of how deep our sin runs, Lord, if, if you truly exposed us to how sinful our hearts are and then to understand how great your mercy is, Lord, we would be overwhelmed this morning at how great your faithfulness is to us. And so, Lord, would you, would you continually give us a picture of that so that we can be overjoyed at you, in you, so that we can overflow with thanksgiving. Father, we especially need that in light of texts like this morning, Lord. We, we, suffer, we struggle with things like this. I, I struggle, Lord, looking at your word and seeing that we are called to endure when we suffer unjustly. And so, Lord, we need your help desperately this morning to, Lord, I pray that you would expose our hearts 
where we need it to be exposed. Lord, that you would bring humility, that you would bring conviction, and Lord, that you would ultimately bring change if that's what's needed in our lives today in order to lift high the name of Jesus, not only with our lips, but also with our lives. And so God, I'm asking for your grace and mercy to do what only you can do. And it's in his name we pray, amen. First of all, I I just praise God that we can't fully relate to the passage this morning. It does, however, remind us of some dark parts of our history as a country. And again, I thank God that slavery is no longer an accepted practice in our country. I'll never forget uh, in our 15th anniversary visiting with my wife, Charleston, South Carolina. Anybody been to Charleston? First of all, it's just an incredibly beautiful place to live. It's located real close to the ocean. In fact, back in the day, uh, it was a place where slave trade was big. They'd come in off the ocean. They'd they'd park. In fact, there's a there's a slave museum there that was built right on the slave trade block where slaves were traded years many years ago. And I remember walking through that slave museum. If you've ever go there, I encourage you to, to go. But I also warn you that what you will see there will make your blood boil. And I can remember just in tears and anger at the things that I saw and the abuse that slaves have had to endure. It's a, it's a brutal thing. You know, slavery has been around for thousands of years. And in our text, Peter addresses believers who found themselves in that position. Now, when, when you think of slavery, when you think of that, when you think of uh, doulos is the, the word here, when you think of that in the, in the New Testament here, it, it could mean different things. You could come from multiple different environments. You know, we tend to think of slavery uh, as someone who was beaten and treated as less than human, and certainly that was the case at times. But there were also those who were paid by their masters, and they were treated quite well. And of course, there was everything in between that. But no matter the situation they found themselves in, Peter had the same message. Be subject to your masters with all respect. With all reverence. If you go back to verse 17, he's calling them to honor their masters. This is the subject here. This is the, this is the text here for even going into next week. This call to be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Now, I, I don't know about you, but if I was being treated less than human, I would find this nearly impossible. So Peter, you're you're, you're expecting us to be subject to those who treat us like garbage? Yet when it comes to the call to live like Christ, this is how we are to live. Notice Peter didn't put an asterisk next to that command to be subject. There are no qualifying statements preceding that. Just take that in for a moment. This is a very sobering reality. The end of verse 18 says to be subject not only to the good and gentle, which some of the masters would have been, 
but also to the unjust. Now, this makes our American minds explode with rage at the thought of responding in such a way to being mistreated, as it should. And this is why it is so challenging for us. Our environment today is very different in the sense that we have a lot more protection. We have a justice system that looks out for us, that protects our freedom. Slavery, praise God, has been done away with, and so we can't even fathom such a world apart from what we read about in history. This is the blessing of our country. We have a voice, and we are able to speak up, and we should. God has allowed us to have this system in place to help us stand for what is right. So as we discuss this passage, we need to remember that. Let's put that at the forefront. I'm not going to qualify everything I say with this, but let's just understand there are times when we have the freedom and the right and the obligation to speak up. So what, what does all of this mean for us today? If slavery or, or even being a servant isn't part of our society, then is this passage even beneficial for us? Or, or is this obsolete, what we are reading here? Is this something that doesn't really, we, we need to mess with? Well, I, I would say, I would give that a resounding no. There, there are some incredible biblical principles here. And what we will see is that the gospel is on full display. So our focus this morning, it will not be on the workplace primarily, as you might think as you look at this passage. Instead, what I want to focus on today is how to endure unjust suffering. Like, how do we handle that? The title of the message is this. Endure suffering as Christ endured. This is the call for us. We are called to endure suffering as Christ endured. Jesus was the ultimate example of what it looks like to be treated unjustly and yet endure. Jesus faced some of the most heinous things a person could Endure without absolutely falling apart. Really, the central verse for this passage is verse 21. For to this, enduring unjust suffering, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. So how exactly did Jesus endure? What, what was what, what did he go through? How, what helped him to stay faithful to his father even despite the things that he faced? Here, here's the first thing that we see in this passage. Keep your gaze on your heavenly father. Keep your gaze on your heavenly father. Look again at verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. It's one thing to suffer over something you've done wrong. You know, one scripture that we share with our kids in the midst of discipline is Ephesians 6, where it calls for children to obey their parents, honor your father and mother, that it may go well for you. 
And here's what we ask in the midst of discipline. How are things going for you right now? (laughs) And they're like, not good. Why aren't they going good? Because we didn't obey. It's a natural consequence. We get that, right? We get that as, as people. We get that even as humans in society. When you screw up, when you break the law, there are punishments for that. We understand that. But we have a struggle when it comes to what do we do when we are suffering unjustly. And I, and I got to be honest, I struggle with suffering unjustly. I am somebody who will scream from the mountaintops when, the, when that happens to me. And I don't always handle it well. I don't always honor the Lord. And so this passage is deeply convicting. In my angry outbursts with injustices, my eyes are often not focused on the Lord. And I, and I think about these servants that Peter is talking to, and I don't know their situation. Like I said, they were probably ranged in magnitude of how severe these things were, but I cannot imagine how they did this, how they could endure such harsh conditions. But one thing that helped them is being mindful of God. It says here, for this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. What, what helped Jesus? What was going to help these servants? What can help us in the midst of suffering unjustly, it's by keeping our gaze on the Father, by turning our hearts to Jesus, to God over and over again in those seasons. This is what Jesus displayed. If you go throughout the, the Gospels, how many times do you see him getting away and meeting with his Father? Luke 5, 15 and 16 says this, but now even more the report about him went abroad And great crowds gather to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. If you if you we've read through this, some of this in in Mark in our men's group, and and Jesus' fame is is exploding, and people are coming to see him, and they're crowding at the houses that he's gathering at. And yet, what does Jesus do in these much of these during much of this time? Ministries everywhere, needs abound, and yet there are times. The last part, where he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Luke 6, 12 says this, In those days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. I don't know about you, but I find this jarring. The Son of God, fully man, fully God, and yet he took time. Ministry needed to be done. People were left unhealed because Jesus knew his priority. He needed to go and spend time with his father on a regular basis. Listen, if the son of God needed to get away with the father, brothers and sisters of Christ, how much more do we need that today? And we don't know what our future holds for us, but we know who holds it. And he is the one that we must run to. And yet, what do, what do we often do? What do I often see people do in life? At times, we can just go about our days with God in the background. 
grab our Bibles, maybe Sunday morning, we haven't touched it all week, and then a trial comes into our life, and so we go to our shelf and, and take God off of it and ask him to rescue us, and if he doesn't take away the trial right away, we wonder, where are you? God, why have you abandoned me? Why do we do that? I think sometimes we do that because we just have no idea who God is. Because we haven't taken the time to get to know him. We haven't opened up his word to understand that Jesus didn't promise, hey, come to me and I'll give you your best life now. Come to me and I'll take all your hard things away. Is that what Jesus said? Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will what? Give you rest. Give you rest in him. Not rest from our circumstances, but rest from the struggles internally to where we can rely fully on him. Jesus says, in this world, you will have what? You will have trouble. Hey, listen, you're going to have trials. You're going to suffer. You're going to suffer as Jesus suffered. But take heart. He has overcome the world. Listen, if we aren't in the book, if we aren't in God's word, when suffering comes, we're not going to know what to do with it. But when we continually run to him over and over again, we understand that God works everything for the good of those who love him. Because that's what his word says. We know that this, these momentary life afflictions aren't worth, worth comparing to the eternal weight of glory that awaits us. These are the things that we read in scripture. But listen, if we're not spending time with the Father, if our gaze is not on him, then when trials come, when suffering comes, then we're not going to know what to do with it. Jesus suffered unjustly. Whoever follows after the Son will also suffer unjustly. And in those moments, will we have prepared ourselves by spending time with the Father all throughout our lives? Keep your gaze on your heavenly Father. Look at verse 20. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Here's another thing that we need to be aware of when it comes to suffering unjustly. Don't suffer because of your own sin. <laughs> Don't suffer because of your own sin. Peter here wants us to make sure we understand that there is a certain kind of suffering that happens where endurance doesn't mean a lot. There is no blessing for you suffering over your own foolishness. You don't get credit for that. Even pagans understand that when you mess up, you deserve to face consequences. But the scriptures say here, it is a gracious thing in the sight of God to do good suffer for that, and to endure. This is the second time in this passage Peter mentions that it's being a gracious thing. What exactly does that mean? So the root word there is kairis. It's grace or favor. It means you have found favor in the eyes of God when you suffer well, when you are treated unjustly. Now, brothers and sisters, let me ask you, do you find yourself in a season of suffering today? One question I would ask you to, to ask is, is this suffering 
could it be because of sin that I'm allowing to reign in my life? This is a a dangerous question to ask because God is gracious and merciful, but he does discipline those he loves. And if you are suffering because of your own sin, this could be God's mercy on you. It's It's a chance to open your eyes for you to see that you need to straighten your path. You need to turn to him. You need to come back to him. It's a wake-up call. I'm amazed often at times in my life where I am suffering and then I realize it's because I've opened the door to sin. For instance, you can't stay up until midnight or later on Saturday night and then come to church and find yourself sleepy and struggling on Sunday and wonder why. If it, it was your choice to stay up late. You're suffering because of your own stupidity. <laughs> I've done that. I've done that as the pastor. And I'm like, I am so tired today, and this is all my fault. We can't do that. We can't eat all that we want to, stuff our faces on Thanksgiving Day, and then expect to wake up Friday morning feeling refreshed. <laughs> right? It doesn't happen. Uh, on Thanksgiving Day this week, our family participated in the turkey stampede that Faith Mission put on. Anybody else participate in that? All right. So this, this year, this is the, I decided to do the 5K. For those of you who don't know how long a 5K is, it's about 3.1 miles. Uh, now listen, I have never run more than two miles at one time. And the last time I did that was in middle school. And so for some reason, I decided to run this race. And, and I have to admit, I did absolutely no training. I hardly even ran over the last month. And I'm expecting, listen, I knew what I was going to face. By God's grace, I had my seven-year-old boy who was with me running too. And thankfully, he was the one that asked for a break, not me. So I'm not going to tell you my time because it was a reflection of how many times he had to wait. But here's the thing. I knew what was going to happen on Friday morning. Actually, it was Thursday night where it didn't take long. I knew, and even this morning... (laughs) I'm still feeling it. I knew that my, my legs would feel like jello. I knew that I would struggle. I knew that my legs would be killing me. I knew that my body would be yelling at me. Why? Because I didn't put in the necessary training to prepare myself to run 3.1 miles at one time. And so here's what you didn't hear from me. I didn't ask, why am I suffering? <laughs> I didn't ask, why does this have to happen to me? I knew why. I was the fool who thought I could, I didn't think that. I knew what was coming. (laughs) I was the fool that ran, and I knew I was going to struggle with that. So listen, we we need to, again, be careful. Suffering comes because God wants to draw us to himself, and suffering comes because of the reality of sin in the world and the sinfulness of other people. But we need to make sure our suffering is not a result of our own sin. So we have to ask ourselves, what has brought this suffering on? Don't be surprised by suffering for your sin and then expect anything for enduring it. But, brothers and sisters, when you do suffer for doing good and endure, know this, your heavenly Father sees you your heavenly father is aware and he is I think at times he weeps I think I love John eleven thirty five. 35 
If you know the context of that, it's when Lazarus died. Jesus is about to raise him from the dead. I have no idea why he's weeping, but it's a beautiful picture that Jesus is an emotional being. He's not this cold-hearted person. He has emotions. Jesus even himself is enduring for us before the Father. He sees you. He knows that you're suffering. And he loves you. And he's preparing a place for you even now. Don't lose heart. And don't suffer because of your own sin. Look at verse 21. For to this you have been called. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. For when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Here's the last point. It is your calling to endure unjust suffering brothers and sisters in christ this is your calling to endure unjust suffering these are these are hard words and so many people i see get tripped up over them things like this like how could a loving god not spare his people from suffering. Does he really love? Does he, does he really care? Isn't that cruel of him? If, he, if he's all powerful, then why does he allow, why does he allow his people to suffer? Why are we called to endure? Because Christ himself suffered, but he endured. He set an example for us that we should follow in his steps. And here is what is true of God. He doesn't ask us to do something that he himself isn't willing to do. Jesus suffered deeply, far more than we could possibly imagine. You see, we all suffer. And many times we suffer because of our own sin. And we feel the weight of that. In those moments, we don't, we don't question why we are suffering and, and we endure without expecting a watching world to cheer us on. Jesus suffered as well, but his suffering was far different. Look at verse 22. He committed how much sin? No sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. Listen. We suffer often because of our own sin. Jesus suffered even though he never committed a single sin. Not one time did Jesus ever tell a lie. He had never even stretched the truth. There, were, there was never a lie on his lips. Just let that sink in. Let this reality of Jesus sink in. When's the last time that you committed a sin? 
We don't have to go very far, do we? Probably don't even have to go to yesterday. But even if we do, we don't have to go past yesterday to, to remember, man, this is when we sin. And as far as like no deceit found in our lips, this is something that I, I think we've gotten so good at it that there are times where we just say little white lies that we don't even realize it anymore. How about this? How are you doing? I'm fine. How many times have you said that when you're dying inside? And yet Jesus, not one time, not one time did he ever sin. Jesus suffered unjustly, and he was completely 100% innocent. There are times when we suffer unjustly, and we can say we are innocent of that, but we are not completely innocent of all things. Jesus was completely innocent, as innocent as you can be. Completely, 100%. He is the only one who could fully say he didn't deserve to suffer at all, and yet he endured. I don't know about you, but I am big on justice. I want to see justice prevail. When I'm watching a court case, I want to see criminals who are guilty to be punished. Like that's, I want to see that. I have a desire for that. Probably sometimes too strong. But I absolutely despise getting blamed for something that I didn't do. And I can't stand hearing stories of people who were imprisoned unjustly. Have you ever read those stories like, 20 years in the uh, release because he was unjustly like, sent to prison. Like, there's like a feel-good side to that. But I don't know about you, but there's a lot of rage that goes in my soul that this person was put in this position for 20-whatever years and he was completely innocent. I get so angry at those things. But look at how Jesus handled his unjust treatment. Verse 23. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. You read through the Gospels and you see that Jesus was brutally beaten on his way to the cross. The people raged at him for no reason, and yet he refused to retaliate. The Son of God, the one completely 100% innocent, if anybody had, a, had the opportunity to scream on the injustices that he was facing, it was Jesus. He could have called down angels upon angels. We see that in Matthew 26, 53. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But he didn't. Why? Because he entrusted himself to his father who judges justly. The world is going to treat us poorly. It may even get to the point where we may die because of it. But listen, brothers and sisters, we have a father in heaven who gets the last say. And there will be no sin left unpunished. Either the person will pay for it in hell for the rest of their lives, or it would be paid for by Jesus on the cross. That's why Jesus didn't retaliate. He knew who the right judge was, and he knew that justice would be made, and the people who 
hung him on the cross. Either his own blood would pay for their sins or they would pay for it in eternity. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. See, we have, we have a real problem in our country that I see, and maybe this is just a problem of humanity. We, we think that we're in control. We, we want to be in control. And when we're not, we do whatever we can to get back in control. And oftentimes, it's not in a way that honors the Lord. It's not ours to repay. It's not ours to take care of these situations. Romans 12, verse 19, look at that with me. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Who's the one that will repay evil? God, not us. It's not our job. When we're treated unjustly, it's not our job to make things right. To the contrary, verse 20, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will keep burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Brothers and sisters of Christ, it's not ours to get revenge. Jesus promised that we would face unjust suffering. And so as you have the opportunity to speak up for justice, using the government, do so, but also remember, ultimately, who is really in control. Your father, who knows? He's the one who will avenge, or by God's grace, he will lead them to repentance, which would be far greater. This is your calling, believer in Christ, to endure unjust suffering as Christ endured. And so, are you entrusting your soul to the faithful creator? Or are you one who will rip people apart until justice has been made? And so, going against the very words of God. Listen, if by standing for truth, you are demolishing people with your words, you are not standing for God's ways. If you are speaking the truth in love, this is what God has called us to do. But ultimately, we are called to entrust our souls to the one who judges justly. God sees you. God's not going to allow that sin to go unpunished. But it's not for you to get your revenge. It's not for you to pay back evil for evil. Brothers and sisters, we've got to lay our anger down. We've got to hand over our desires, repay evil for evil. This is not the way Jesus has shown us. Rather than repay evil for evil, we are called to endure unjust suffering. And here's the ultimate reason why we respond this way. Verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Jesus didn't go up on the cross wearing his own sins. 
He, he wore yours and mine. Who's the one that really has the right to call out injustice? And yet he endured. Why? So that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Brothers, speaking the truth in a harsh way is not dying to sin and living in righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. His wounds that he endured because of your sin. Brothers and sisters, we have been healed. This should humble us deeply. For you and I, we were straying like sheep. Have you, ever, have you seen the meme going around of the sheep that is stuck in this crevice? And the shepherd pulls him out and the sheep takes off and jumps right back in? <laughs> like that's the picture of us. We're that sheep that just keeps jumping right back in where he pulled us out. We were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Brothers and sisters of Christ, keep the gospel central in your lives. Let it lead you to great humility, to ponder how Jesus responded to unjust suffering. Even when he was on the cross, looking at his accusers and his abusers, he uttered these words. This is astounding. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. So what's it going to be for you this week? When you encounter unjust suffering, are, are you going to suffer as one entrusting his soul to a righteous judge? Or will you take matters in your own hand? Our call this morning is to endure suffering as Christ endured. Let's pray. Father, there's so many things that can be said about this that will just leave us confused at times, Lord. There, there's no easy answers, Lord. How do we, in a, in a country that we have so much freedom, what does it look like to suffer injustice in a way that honors you? When do we speak up and when do we just endure? Lord, we just need your wisdom in that. I know what your word says. Your word calls us to speak the truth in love. And Lord, if we're honest, often we speak the truth, but we often miss the loving part. And so God, help us to know when to speak up and let us do it in love. But Lord, also your word doesn't call us to just love people and not speak the truth. Lord, that's, that's not what you've called us to do either. And so God, we just need your help. But Lord, there is a gentleness to Christ who looked at the ones who nailed him to the tree, the ones who placed the crown of thorns and shoved it onto his head, the ones who pierced his hands and feet with nails. He looked at these people who were mocking him, who were casting lots for his clothes. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Lord, the same is true for those who are causing unjust suffering on our behalf. Lord, help us to have your heart. Help us to endure as Christ endured. And Father, I thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness to us. Lord, we're not going to get this right. We're going to speak the truth without love. We're not going to speak the truth when we should. 
And Lord, when we suffer for our sins, lead us to repentance as I believe your faithfulness will do. And thank you, Lord, that you, you don't punish those you love, you discipline those you love. You call us back to yourself. And ultimately, we'll never face the full punishment of our sin for those who have repented because of Jesus. And so keep us fully focused on Christ all of our days. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We give you some things to, uh, uh-oh. Can you go back to that? I'm not sure what happened. Here's some action steps that you can put into practice. First of all, memorize 1 Peter 2, 20 and 21. It says this, for what credit is it if, you, if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. And then encourage you to spend some time reading Romans 12, especially the last part of, of that chapter. That will serve you well in this. Ah, oh, sneezing. Not coming out. Question for you to ponder. How is your endurance? How are you dealing with being treated unjustly? Are you speaking the truth in love? Or is there an edge in your demand for justice that is sinful, that's not honoring the Lord? Let's endure suffering unjustly. Let's do it well. And then what helps us to endure well? But we remember Christ's suffering, that Christ suffered for our sin. He could have called down 12 legions of angels, and yet he was silent. He endured the cross for us. Let that lead you to great humility as you encounter being sinned against by those around you. Remember that your sins have been paid for. Church, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. So let your light shine so that others may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. As always, if, if you need someone to pray with, if you are in a place where you just need some help, it had nothing to do with the sermon, but you're just in a place where you just would love prayer, uh, Mark and I will be up here. Ladies, I'm sure Stacy would be more than willing to pray with you um, if you just need someone to, to lift you up this morning. This is what we're called to do, carry one another's burdens. And so have a good week and endure suffering well.